excited about this series. I'm so pumped about this series. I really am. And uh, I, I'm excited for our president. I'm excited for our president saying, you know what? We need to look up. We need to pray. We're a nation, one nation under God. And so I'm thankful that on March 15th, on March 15th, that President Donald Trump has declared that a national day of prayer. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask every believer that's watching. And if you're not a believer, you can do it too. It won't hurt. But I'm going to ask every believer that's watching to fast on the 15th. You can fast a meal. There's so many different types of fasts that you can do. But I'm going to ask you to fast, and I'm going to ask you to pray. Let's pray for our country. The truth is right now we're praying for protection over our country, but this thing is, has, has attacked the world. It's affected the world. And so we're going to pray for the world. And before we pray for the world, watch this, before we pray for the world physically, I think God is saying, hey, church, let's wake up and let's pray for the world spiritually. You see, Christians, before there can be a spiritual awakening, there must be a personal revival. Revival precedes a spiritual awakening. I believe with all my heart, I believe with all my heart that the kingdom of heaven is near. And I believe that in the last days in which we're living, Jesus said this would happen. Jesus said that all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of storms, all these things would be happening. And he says, when you see those things, you better look up. So I'm telling you right now, if, if this hadn't got our attention, I, I'd be scared to think what it would take to get our attention. It's time to look up. Are you with me? So I'm going to encourage you on the 15th to pray and to fast. Don't just fast and say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, and I'm going to ask you to do something around food. Don't just say, I'm not going to look at social media. I'm, I'm going to turn off the news, right? I mean, like, let's do something that matters. Maybe you give up breakfast. Maybe you give up lunch. Maybe, maybe you eat snacks all the time. Maybe you give up some snacks. Maybe you give up dinner, what, whatever it is. Maybe, I, I don't know, God, God can lead you. But I'm going to ask you on the 15th, to join our nation as we look up to God for help. All right, basketball. Why am I holding the basketball? Well, you know, um, this year, uh, this, this last season, Gavin, our youngest son, plays basketball. And uh, Riley loves to cheerlead. Jaden loves volleyball. They're, they're into sports. Um, Gavin's into about every sport that you can get into. And uh, so we try to focus on, on a couple. But uh, I noticed in Gavin's game that there was something that he needed to add to his game. You know what I'm talking about when I say add to your game? There was something he needed to pick up. There was something he needed to learn, something that he needed to do different. And Gavin would get the ball, and, and, and Gavin got his jeans from dad, so he's not six foot four. And when Gavin would get the ball, he would drive in, he would shoot, and one or two times, maybe a little bit more, Gavin got stuffed. He went up for the shot, and he got blocked. And so one time I was so proud of him, man. He got the ball, they passed it to him, and everyone enclosed on him. He was underneath the basket, and all of a sudden four or five defenders just literally collapsed around him, hands all up. He had the ball, and I was teaching him how to go up strong. And I'm like, go up strong, Gavin, go up strong. Well, he went up strong, just not strong enough. <laughs> and he went up strong, and when he did, one more time. Now, if you played basketball 
Or if you watch basketball, if that happens enough times, that can be discouraging. So I thought, you know what? I got to teach them to pivot. See, when you pivot, you get options. When you pivot, you get options. So I told him, I said, listen, Gavin, when you get that ball, if they pass it to you and the defense comes around you, you can pivot and you can plant a foot, whichever foot you want, you can plant. It's important to plant. You got to plant before the pivot. You better plant before you pivot. So I said, plant and then get those elbows out, hang on to that ball tightly, and then you can move. You can move around. You can move that ball. If they're right here, turn around. You can pivot. You can pivot. And pivoting, pivoting will give you options that you didn't have before. And it will distract the defense is what pivoting will do. It will distract the enemy, the person on the other side trying to stop you. And as I was thinking about this series, Quiet, the series on prayer, I think it's time that we awaken. And I think that it's time for the pivot to prayer. Because for many of us, when it comes to prayer, we thought we knew how, we tried, didn't happen. And we got defeated, and we got discouraged, and then we got distracted. And so we found everything else to do but to pray. Listen, the weapons, we sang that song, man, this is how we fight our battles. One of the greatest weapons we have as believers is prayer. That's one of the greatest weapons that we have. And so maybe you feel like you're surrounded. But you know what? When the defense collapses around you, that means you got more options and you got more teammates that are wide open. Mm -mm. So you got to pivot. So today I want to preach on the pivot to prayer. The pivot to prayer. Let's go to a verse. I wonder how many people have ever heard of. We're going to go to Genesis. Genesis 4.26. Genesis 4.26. And in this series, as you're going there, in this series, we've got this for four weeks. Today I'm going to talk about the pivot to prayer. Next week, I'm going to talk about the process of prayer. The third week, I'm going to talk about the promise of prayer. And then the last week, I'm going to talk about the power of prayer. It's going to be powerful. I hope that you'll watch every week. And uh, we're going to be doing this online until something changes, and we'll let you know. So let's uh, pray together that God will, before, listen, before God just fixes this and we all go back to life as normal. I don't know about y'all. I don't want to go back to life as normal. I want to go back a better prayer warrior. I want to go back more of a threat to the enemy. I want to go back more of a prayer warrior for my spouse, for my wife, for my family, for my church, for the ministry. That's what I want to be different in me. Genesis 4.26, it says this, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I like how this says it. It says, and as for Seth, now let's stop there just for a minute. Let me give you a little background real quick. Adam and Eve, right? First man, first woman. God made Adam out of the dust of the ground. Then God took a rib out of Adam. He made Eve, and he put him in a beautiful garden, said, knock yourself out. Don't touch the one tree. Don't touch that. It'll mess you up. And they listened to the devil. They doubted God's goodness. They sinned. So whenever we do what God says don't do, that's sin. And sin will mess a brother up. That's what they did. They sinned. And when sin came into the world, what sin did is sin spread 
faster than this virus. The greatest virus in the world is not corona. It's sin. And it spread so fast, literally, that every person that was born was born a sinner. No one had to teach us how to steal. Think about the first time you stole. No one had to teach us how to lie. No one, no one had to teach us how to get angry. We didn't go to an anger class of how to get angry. It just came natural. And sin spread so rapidly. And what happened is they had children. They had Cain and Abel, and, and Eve was so excited when Cain was born. She said, God has given me the ability to have a man. And Cain was, a, Cain was one of their sons, the firstborn, and then there was Abel. And Abel, get this, Abel was a shepherd, Cain was a farmer, and God asked for a sacrifice, and he said, bring me the best. And Cain brought some of the crops, but not the best. Abel offered the best to the Lord. And the Lord said that Abel pleased him. And he said, I am displeased with your lack of obedience to Cain. And Cain got jealous and he got angry. And fast forward, you know what he did? He ended up murdering his brother, Abel. Out of Cain's descendants came someone else, not too long down the line, who also murdered it's important to know that as we live our lives, our children are watching. And they will follow in our footsteps. So daddy, uncle, was a murder. Eh, it's not that bad. Be careful what's bad, what you say isn't that bad. Because your kids will believe you. And they'll take it a little bit further than you did. And so now, Adam and Eve have this heartache and this heartbreak because their son Abel is no longer with them and Eve conceived again. And we pick up in Genesis, I love this, and we pick up in Genesis chapter four and Seth, here we go, and as for Seth, to him also a son was born and he named him Enosh. Someone say Enosh. Enosh. That's just fun to say that, Enosh. Then, watch this, men began to call on the name of the Lord. The first time that we read about prayer in scripture is when there is this pattern of pain. Disobedience led to death. They didn't die immediately, but they died on the inside. And now their son is also a sinner and now a murderer. And then one of his descendants is a murder. But when Seth had a son, in the time of Enosh, men and women for the first time began to call on the name of the Lord. I love that. You know what happened? What happened was there was a man, there was men, there were women, there were people who said, this is trending downward. This is not going the right way. Just stay with me. So we got to get ahead of the bell curve. We got to do something drastic because we are desperate. And so because of their desperation, these men and women began to call on the name of the Lord. That is when we see prayer being birthed in such a powerful way for God's people.
Just think about our nation. Think about the chaos in our nation, not just from coronavirus, but what about the hate? What about the hate? What about the envy? What about the anger? What about the strife? What about the jealousy? What about the backbiting? What about the gossip? What about it? And we're not trending in the right way. And so maybe we can take notice and maybe you and I can pivot and not be part of the problem, but maybe we can be part of the prayer. David was in the same way. David in Psalm 102, two verses, one and two. David is overwhelmed with trouble. He is pouring out his problems to God. Now, let me tell you something. In, uh, in Psalm 41, he's in a cave and he's crying out to God. He's crying out to God in a cave. He's running for his life. And I think you and I are just like that. I think sometimes it, gets, it, it takes a cave experience to get our attention before we cry out to the Lord. It gets so much pain, so many problems, so many. And, and then our last resort sometimes is what should be our first priority. And so he was crying out to God in the cave. And I'm thankful for the cave because you know what? If you find yourself in a cave, you can cry out to the Lord. He, he said, David said, if I make my, my, my bed in hell, I can cry out to you. That's what he said. So I'm thankful we can pray in the shower. I'm thankful we can pray in the car. And now with Bluetooth, we can, we can be talking. No one else in the car and no one passing us or us passing them thinks we're crazy. Because they're like, no one was in that. You know what I'm saying? It's just we can pray, man. We can, wherever you are, you can pray. David said this in Psalm 102. He said, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea. I want to ask you a question. What's your prayer? What's your prayer life like? What's it like? What do you believe in God for? What do you need God to move? What do you need God to change? Where do you need God to show up? That if God doesn't show up, it's a lost cause. Might be your marriage. We just had a marriage series. Might be your business. Might be your family. Might be your health. But sometimes it takes these cave experiences to wake us up. Might be corona virus to wake us up and say, you know what? This is a cave experience. But the cave ought to remind us of the cry. So David says, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea. Don't turn away from me in my time of distress. Are you there? The truth is, oftentimes in my life, my prayer life is better when everything isn't perfect. Unfortunately. Oh, Pastor Tim, you're a pastor, yeah. I love God and I pray. But I'm telling you what, when things get all out of sort, we're reminded to pray. All of a sudden, we have time for prayer. When sometimes it's not the first priority. David said, bend down and listen. Answer me quickly when I call to you. We need to pivot to prayer. Let me tell you something. Here's what I want you to remember about the message. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Prayer can do anything that God can do. So it's time for God's church to say, you know what? We're going to pivot. 
We're going to pivot to prayer. Maybe we were facing here. Maybe we were looking over here and this kind of thing over here had us distracted and all of a sudden, but now with the market and and everything and oh my goodness, my 401k and all my investments, it's got our attention. So now, now maybe it's time to pivot and say, okay, God, maybe you travel a lot. I just uh, went to Nashville, like I said, and I was watching people in the airport. And you could see the fear. You could see the concerns. Uh, you could see uh, less people traveling. Yeah. Maybe you're like, God, I, I have to do this for my business. Though this virus has attacked my job, my life doesn't stop. Right. I've got to continue. You don't have to be afraid. Right. Just pivot to prayer. Yeah. Just pivot to prayer. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Would you say that with me? Come on. Say it with me. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Um, Last, I want to close with this illustration. I love this. Matthew 20. We're going to go to Matthew's gospel, Matthew 20. And we're going to read uh, verses 29 through 34. What I love about this, what I love about this text is this story is actually told in three of the four gospels. It's told in all the synoptic gospels. Matthew records this story, which we'll read from. Mark tells us the story, and Luke tells us this incredible story. What's interesting is in Mark's gospel, he gives us the name of one of the men. In fact, in Mark and in Luke, we only read about one of the blind men. But Matthew tells us that there were actually two. Now, that number two is really important. Someone say two. Mm -hmm. Someone say two. You're going to want to remember that because we're going to come back to two. We'll pick this up. Let's read in Matthew 20, pick up verse 29, reading in the NLT. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, that was the Old Testament town. You remember that? Remember the battle of Jericho? And the walls came down. Remember that? So as they were leaving the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. They're following Jesus. The crowd is following Jesus. You know, when there's a crowd, it's noisy. When there's a crowd, it is loud. And this crowd is following Jesus And verse 30 says that, someone say it with me, two blind men, not just one, Mark and Luke just tells about one. Mark tells us blind Bartimaeus was one. Matthew says there's two. So blind Bartimaeus and his his BFF, man, they're they're, there. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. They're, they're, They're not in the road. They're not standing in the road. They're not in the middle of the road. They're sitting beside the road. When they heard, they're blind. So they can't see, but they can hear. And they can't see, but their hearing is probably even a little bit better. That sense is a little bit sharper, if you please. So when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, not the crowd, but Jesus, they began shouting. Now, you know what shouting is. That's when you watch your favorite team your favorite sports team, man, you watch them. Sometimes we shout when they're winning. We shout when they're scoring. We shout when they don't. Sometimes we shout when we're excited. We shout when we're like, what are you doing? As if we could do better. We shout, don't we? And, and it's like we shout at the TV as if they're going to hear us. You know what I'm saying? 
Come on. I'm not the only one that shouts. I shout. I jump over the couch. I do crazy stuff like that. Come on. But the two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting. It doesn't say that they just shouted one time. It says that they began shouting. They began to shout. Making room. Brother getting ready to move. Because you know when you shout, when you shout, for those of you, if you didn't see it, the basketball was up here and it just kind of rolled away. Kind of like that coronavirus is just going to roll away. Because he said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear and then will I heal. He said he would help us if we shout to him. Watch this. They began shouting. In my mind's imagination. Thank you. You, you can be seated. In my mind's imagination, I believe with all my heart that they began crying. Watch, watch this now. We'll tie this into Genesis. We're talking about calling on the name of the Lord. Genesis 4.26 said that in the day of Seth and his son Enosh, that at that time, for the first time, men and women, people began to cry out for Jesus. Cry out to the name of the Lord. Who's the name of the Lord? Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We can run to that refuge, to the shadow of the Almighty, to the wings that are spread. And these two blind men, one of them blind Bartimaeus, the other, I don't know his name. We weren't told his name, but we're going to get to heaven. He's going to be like, this is my name. I was with Bartimaeus. I'm the other guy. They began shouting two voices, two shouts, maybe two tones. Maybe one was a tenor and one was a bass. But they began shouting and they're saying, Jesus, Jesus. Have mercy on us. Jesus. That's what one of the gospels tells. They're crying out, Jesus. And they're shouting. And they did just shout one time. Scripture says that they began shouting. And they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When, my God, I'm going to preach right now. When was the last time that you saw yourself? Where you really were. How you really were. When was the last time that you shouted out for mercy to Jesus? Because of your bad attitude. Because of the battle in your mind. Because of your wayward son. Because of a spouse that left the house and said, I'm done. When was the last time that you began crying and calling out for mercy from Jesus? They were blind. They had a problem. They had an issue. But you know what? In the church, we don't like to talk about our issues. We just like to pretend everything's okay. Everything's all right. I don't need Jesus. See, to need Jesus would mean that I, that I got a problem. That I got a need, that I got a lack, that I got a shortage. Means that I got a problem. 
And Jesus is the solution to every problem. Jesus is the solution to every sickness. Jesus is the solution to every hurt. Jesus is the solution to every hang-up. Jesus is the solution. But you got to cry out. You got to be willing to drop your image. You got to be willing to say, I don't care what other people think. I don't care if this gets a like. I don't care if this gets a comment. I don't care if this gets a share. I'm going to cry out because I am blind. Where are you blind? Maybe you've been in just in the same rut with your finances. And it's almost as if you're blind. And all you need to do is cry out and say, Jesus, I I lack wisdom. I don't know how to do this. So if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him call out. Let him cry out to Jesus. Maybe, Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's in your business. I I, I don't know where you are today, but I know where he is today. And he's close enough to hear you when you cry out. And they cried out. They cried out. Have mercy on us. Verse 32. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called. Watch this. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus is all-knowing. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. You think Jesus didn't know their problem was the fact they were blind? Oh, he knew. He just wanted to see what they wanted him to do about it. And that same Jesus, the same who never changes, he was the same Yesterday, he's the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. This same Jesus, this same Jesus knows your blindness. I can't help but think he's looking at you and saying, what do you want me to do? How can I serve you? What do you want me to do for you? But see, if we don't pray, if we don't pivot to prayer, we miss out. You know, the worst thing that could be written on a tombstone was you had not because you asked not. What is Jesus willing, wanting to do for you if you will just simply cry out? Get real. See, you got to get real in order to heal. What is it? Is it anxiety? Is it your temper? Is it the fact that every time you talk, lies just come out before you even realize it? Is it your heart is hard? Hard. What is it? Jesus says, what do you want me to do? I love this. Verse 33. Lord, see, they acknowledge who he is. See, when you acknowledge who he is, you will cry out. And when you cry out, you will acknowledge who he is. I promise you. They said, Lord, they said, we want to see. Now, they can't see him, but they can hear him. And I can't help but to think that Jesus is close enough where Jesus is touching them. So they know 
that he's right there, that he's closer than they could ever imagine. Maybe Jesus' hand is on both of their shoulders. He says, what do you want me to do? And they're blind. And maybe out of one eye or two eyes or four eyes, tears begin to trickle. I could just imagine them saying, this is our moment. We want to see. Because it's not just enough to hear. We want to see you. And I imagine Jesus wiping the tears from their eyes. And then I imagine Jesus here, it says, verse 34, Jesus felt sorry for them. And he touched their eyes. And instantly they could see. And it says this, then they followed him. When you see Jesus, when you see Jesus, when you see Jesus, you will follow him. And I believe that maybe God is allowing the world to come to a halt so we would see Jesus. The disciples prayed, and they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. They did not say, teach us how to pray, because they'd been close enough to hear him. Jesus would uh, rise early in the morning. Jesus was all about prayer. They couldn't cast out the demons. Jesus could cast out, and they're like, Lord, what's up? And he said, oh, this kind of demons only goes out by prayer and fasting continually. Can't help but think. That there's some people with some serious problems. And maybe God is like, maybe now my children will cry out and call out and shout out to me. I noticed this real quick. As I close, we go into the invitation. I noticed in verse 30, I noticed that desperation has a sound. They were desperate. And they were shouting, and they were shouting, and they were shouting, and the crowd was saying, quiet down, quiet down. But they didn't care about the crowd. They were more focused on the cry. Desperation has a sound. In verse 31, as I was studying this, I realized that faith had a voice. Even when the others said, stop, be quiet, they would not let the crowd silence their voice because faith has a voice. Number three, in verse 33, they said, Lord, we want to see. We want to see. The third thing I noticed is that the voice of faith is prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is just, it's connecting with God. Prayer is just talking with God. Next week, I'm going to talk about and break it down for you. I'm going to talk about the process of prayer. I'm going to teach you how to pray. But don't overthink it. It's just calling out. It's just crying out to God. They were blind. They wanted to see. What's your issue? Cry out about that issue. The voice of faith is prayer. But in verse 34, as I just read to you, we realize that God is a prayer answering God. That God is a prayer answering God. 
Because prayer, prayer can do anything that God can do. So when we pray, we are tapping into the power of God. And when we pray, prayer can do anything that God can do. You see, prayer is, or God is a prayer answering God. Just a couple chapters over. You remember I told you, remember two, two. In Matthew 18, verse 19, it says this. I also tell you this. This is Matthew quoting Jesus. Jesus said, if two of you agree, two, there's that number. If two of you, maybe there's two of you in the house. Maybe we've got a watch party and there's 22. We've got more than two people here right now. He said, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything that you ask, my Father in heaven will, not might, not fingers crossed, not hopefully, he said, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Get ready, because we're going we're gonna to read one more thing. He says in verse 20, for where two gather together as my followers, I am there among them. I started thinking about that. I started thinking, you know what? The devil may have thought that this was going to stop the church. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Just like there were two blind men. There were two blind men in agreement that Jesus was coming, that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus could do what he said he could do. They had heard about the miracles. They had heard that he caused the blind to see and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the mute to speak and the dead to be raised. And they said, they said, just maybe, Bartimaeus, just maybe, if we can be loud enough and cry out hard enough to God that Jesus, there's, there's two of us. Let's just agree in faith that Jesus, what he's done for others, he can do for us. And it was their desperation that led to the cry. And I'm telling you, Jesus said if two of you, listen, we're online right now. I'm thankful there's a lot more than two of us. So maybe you want to get that prayer partner because we're going to have a moment of prayer here. Get that prayer partner. Maybe you need to find a prayer partner. Maybe you just need to pray together. You need to come into agreement, the two becoming one, agreeing. And in order to do that, you got to be vulnerable. you got to be honest. you got to be real. can't be fake. You say, you know what? This is where I need God to meet me. This is my blindness, so to say, so to speak. This is my area of need. It's my area of lack. It's, it's my hurt, my hang up, my problem. It's my sin. It's the weight that so easily trips me up. This is where I need to agree. Maybe, maybe it's a prayer for protection. Maybe it's a, a prayer of faith that God will protect you. Maybe it's a prayer of healing. Maybe you're watching and you're watching online. You have cancer. Jesus said, if two, if two, two blind men, two blind men. Four eyes opened, and they saw Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone in every home, wherever you're watching right now, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Would you do that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at? I want you to think of that prayer, that prayer partner. If you're married, I want to encourage 
you to make it your spouse. That'd be the, the right move. Make it your spouse. Can be your best friend, can be a brother, can be a sister. I want to encourage you to open up. Can you imagine those two blind men being blind their entire life, sitting near the road, and Jesus passing by, and them not being healed? That's what hung in the balance of them pivoting to prayer. I wonder. I wonder what hangs in the balance of your pivot to prayer. Jesus said, if two of you agree, and if two or more of you, come on, let's believe. Let's believe big. I want to ask you to take 30 seconds right now, right where you're at, with heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to pray. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. I want you to pray right where you're at. Maybe you don't know who you can partner with in prayer. Ask him, Jesus, I need a prayer partner. Who do you think would be a good one? Trust me, his answer will be better than yours. Do you have a prayer partner? Then I want to encourage you, Christians, to partner in prayer. See, we've got a lot to pray about. We need to pray for our president. Scripture says that we are to pray for our leaders and rulers. He didn't say unless they're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, or you like them, or you don't. No, no. He said pray for them. So let's stop talking about them. Let's stop criticizing them. Let's start praying for them. Let's start praying for them. Pray for your leaders. Pray for all those in authority, Scripture says. It's easy to criticize authority. You maybe find yourself thinking you could do better if it were you, but there's all kinds of information you don't have. So let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our president, for our leaders in this nation. Let's pray that God not only heals us physically, but that there is a spiritual healing, cleansing, and awakening. You pray right where you're at. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I want to encourage you that if you're watching online, you're joining us, thank God for technology. But if you're like, man, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know this Jesus, then I want to encourage you to cry out to him for salvation. You see, one act of disobedience opened the door to death, but one act, one humble act, one act of obedience, Jesus became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. That one act of obedience paid for the sin of the world. It opened heaven's gates. And scripture says that, watch this, that we have to cry out to become a son or a daughter of God. In, in other words, John 3, to, to be born again, to be born a child of God, reborn, 
to become a Christian, in order to do that, we have to cry out to Jesus. Scripture simply says that it's with the mouth that confession is made. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? That means that you, you're honest, you're open with God, and you cry out, you say, God, I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. God, you know my entire life. God, you know how bad I've screwed up. God, you know how bad I've messed up. And so it's with our mouth that confession is made. It's with our heart that we believe that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And if you will simply transfer your trust from any religion, any denomination, church attendance, your good works, any of those things. You will transfer it from whatever you're depending on to the fact that Jesus loves you. He died for you to pay for your sins. It cost him his blood because without the shedding of blood, there'd be no forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus died. If you could get to heaven by being good, then why did Jesus die? There was no need for him to die. If we could clean up ourselves and get our acts together and become good enough to make it. You know, that's what religion says. Religion says just be good enough. Be good enough. Be be a good person. I'm telling you, if you cannot be good enough to deal with your sins, that's why Jesus died. Because only the blood of Jesus would be the substitute the payment for our sins. And that's what Jesus did freely. He died once and he died for all and he paid for our sins in full. In other words, he paid your sin mortgage off. And all you have to do is accept that Jesus paid it all. That's all you have to do. So let's pray together. You're watching online all over the world. You're watching. I want to lead us in what we call a sinner's prayer. And, and you're not going through me. I'm a man. You're not praying to me. Um, we're going to talk to God right now. We're going to pray to Jesus. We're going to cry out, confess our blindness, confess our sins. And we're going to put our trust in Jesus. So let's do that together. And as we pray, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. That's right. You're having a watch party or you're right there by yourself. I want you to pray out loud. We're going to pray this out loud together. Here we go. Ready? Would you say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. And we both know it. And I need you. I want to see you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your blood that you shed to wash away my sins. I believe you rose again. Today I declare that Jesus is Lord. I now give you my life and I receive your life. Now teach me how to live in Jesus' name. All right, look right here. Look right here. Listen, if you did that, if you did that, you're already a child of God. Whoever believes in him has passed from death to life. And 
they've become a son and a daughter of God. I'm going to ask you if you did that wherever you are, please let us know. If you're watching online, let us know right now. Please let us know. would love to celebrate with you because heaven's already celebrating. So I'm going to ask in this room, on the count of three, to raise your hand. I'm going to ask all of you watching online to uh, just just, uh, hit that keyboard. Let us know. Just type in, Jesus made me new. Would you do that? On the count of three, heaven's already celebrating. Let's do this together. Are you ready? Here we go. If you're here in the audience, today was your day. I want you to raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. On the count of three, raise it up. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now, hold it up. Hold it up high. That's right. Come on. So good. You're watching online. Type right now. Jesus made me new. That's so good.